in the maintenance field, we use three terms in industry. We have predictive maintenance, we have uh, reactive maintenance, and we have preventative maintenance. Reactive maintenance means that something has broken and we need to fix it. It was unexpected, it happened, and we need to fix it. Preventative maintenance is what you do to your car. You change the oil, you change the filters, and you do everything that you can to try to keep that instrument running. Predictive maintenance is knowing that you have a failure, that it's imminent, but you can schedule it and plan it because by doing such, you lose minimal downtime. It's not expected. This morning, you, I'm going to preach to you all three things of maintenance. I'm going to be honest with you this morning. I've struggled for the past week on this sermon. I am going to upset some of you. But I want you to hear what I have to say, and I pray that everybody is attentive. If I only preach the things that you want to hear, then I belittle the name of God and I'm a coward. I believe it was Vance Havner that made the statement, it might have been Manly Beasley, I can't remember, but when credit cards was putting pictures, people's pictures on the credit card, he went to a place to use it to purchase something, and the man said, I see your picture, but it doesn't look nothing like you. You see, I've been preaching on the things that are in heaven. Well, this morning I'm going to preach about the things that are not in heaven. And I can assure you that when I leave here, I'll get a text, and I'll probably have all the frowny face emojis put on Facebook. But I will not compromise the Word of God for you or anybody else in here. If you have your Bibles, I pray, pray that you turn with me to Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6. Please stand as we read the Word of God. These are the things that are not in heaven. These are the six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to Him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, and feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among brothers. You may be seated. Most people will say, how can a loving God hate? God does hate. Because He loves perfectly, and He is truth that is found in John 14, He also hates perfectly. Let me give you an example of what I mean. Because I want everybody to be on the same path here. I will never stand on this pulpit and assume that every one of you are believers in Jesus Christ. But I want you to hear this. Paul Washer gave a great illustration about God's holy hatred. Let me give you one, and I'll use his words. I love babies. Therefore, I hate abortion. God hates that that is contrary to His nature and character. Please hear me. And what He will say here, there are six things in which the Lord hates. Yes, seven. 
Now you say, well, what is the writer doing here? Well, Hebrew writers did something often to emphasize a point. And let me give you an illustration where the writers do this. Proverbs 30.18 says, They are three things which are wonderful, too wonderful for me. Yeah, four which I know not. Amos, when he's talking about the judgment of God, in Amos 1.6, For there are three transgressions of Gaza, and for four I will not turn away my punishment. They're emphasizing a point. This is a Proverbs of Solomon to his son. And what I want to introduce to you this day, as we have been talking about the things in heaven, I want to ask, and I want to see if this is you. I see your picture, but it doesn't look anything like you. Number one, haughty eyes. Your translation may say a proud look. You have the desire to look down on somebody because they're not up to your standard. They don't have the same money you have. They may not dress like you dress. They may not be able to do the things that you have. Their shoes may be a little worn. Their father may have had problems in his time. You do not deserve the right to look down on a soul. Everyone is created in God's image. And what I want to tell you is this. Too many times it has crept into the church that we stick our noses in the air and we bypass those because we don't think they're worth speaking to. Well, I don't like talking to other people. Well, I can guarantee you, if you don't like talking to other people, I promise you not sharing the gospel with somebody. There is no reason that anybody that comes through those doors should not be spoken to and loved in the name of Jesus. Do you hear me? People say, well, there's certain people I like to hang out with. That might be your problem. In junk, out junk. If you're not growing in Christ, you're growing closer to the world. I won't back down on that. Haughty eyes. There's nobody that deserves to look down on anybody. I want want you to hear me. There was one that had pride in the Bible. And Ezekiel and Isaiah tell the story of him. And his name's Satan. And he fell. Pride will cause a fall. Every one of you in here put on your britches the same. And you're saying, Chad, who's got a pride issue? I don't know, but if you have a guilty conscience, that's when you and Jesus. But I will say this. There's nobody to look down on another soul in this place. God hates you. Chad, that's harsh. I didn't say it. Who said it? God did. Well, Chad, I know what the Bible says. We got to love the sinner and hate the sin. Let me tell you a little secret. I can't find anywhere in Scripture where God sends the sin to hell. He sends the sinner. Haughty eyes. A lying tongue. Liars. Those who use to tell something that is not truthful. Oh, it's just a little white lie. Let me tell you something. If it's untruth, it's a lie and God hates it. You see, the thing that amazes me is there's people that live on this earth that if they tied their hands and lips together, they'd beat themselves to death. Often looking for something to say. 
often looking for something to do. There is no place in God's people for lies. Because when you tell a lie, you have negated what Christ has said, and as we to conform to His image, who is truth, we're to be truth as well. Amen? You know, have you ever met people that were known for who they are? What do you mean by that, Chad? People's reputation often precedes them. If you're a jerk, most people know it, right? If you're a liar, most people know it. If you're snooty, they know it. If you're better than everybody else, they know it. If you're a troublemaker, they know it. And I often had this person that we knew when I went to work at the plant I worked at many years ago that everybody in the plant told me when I watched this guy, this guy lies. And boy, he could tell some good ones. That should never be on the lips of anybody that claims to be a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. Because let me tell you something. God is just. He is righteous. And He loves truth and hates lies. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 3. Hold your place. James chapter 3. Tell you what James says about liars. See, he talks about the tongue. And he says in James chapter 3, and I'll begin in verse 6, he says, And the tongue is a fire. The very world of iniquity, the tongue is set apart our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets a fire on course of our life and is a fire set on by hell. For every species of beast and birds and reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. We bless our Lord and our Father with it and we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth both come blessing and cursing. My brother, these things not ought to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig, my brethren, produce olives or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh? Look, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you cannot sprout untruths. It can't happen. And God hates it. And hands that shed innocent blood. I'm going to do something here. I'm going to take off my shoes and I want you to hear me well. I have been asked if I am a pro-choice pastor. There is no pro-choice pastor. That is the shedding of innocent blood. And it's a hill that I'll take off my shoes and die on. And if it ever comes a time where somebody says we should be, then you tell me and I'll take myself back to Pennsylvania. Those babies are created in the image of Almighty God and God hates the shedding of innocent blood. Those that are just, those who seek righteousness, God hates it when you shed innocent lives. 
He hates it. And I am so tired of people wanting to be more political than they are more Christian. I'm going to set a stone here, but I'm going to tell you, and it's okay. What if I told you, like a man said, that Jesus Christ didn't come here to vote Republican? And just because you're Republican don't make you a Christian. I said it. It's on air. I don't care who you vote for. I serve an audience of one, and I'll let him take care of it. Do I like what's going on in the government? No, I don't. But I serve the master who set governments in order, and I trust him. And I don't care who you are or what you do or what you say. You tell everybody that Chad Howard, 864-308-7296, will stand pro-life. A heart that devises wicked plans. What do you think of during the day? Is your goal out to get somebody? Is your goal to bring harm to another situation or individual? God hates that. You see, the heart is deceitful. I have heard all my life that trust your heart. You better be careful, people. Because the Bible tells me the heart is deceitful and increasingly wicked. What does the Word of God say? You see, a lot of times we try to devise things to the harm of other people. These are people who focus on evil plans. Who are very quickly to do things that are contrary to the Word of God. Listen to me. God's Word is not to be negotiated. Let me give you an example. You see, years ago before I got saved, I had a gambling problem. I would bet on anything I could possibly bet on. That night, I would try to plan where I was going to go gamble so my wife wouldn't know. I would try to hide the things from her because that's what sinners do. When you're trying to hide things from other people, let me give you a news flash. God knows. And he hates it. People who devise wicked plans in their hearts, God hates. Now yes, this ain't something that'll make its headlines on tomorrow's news, this message. Nor will often go across as well received. But I will tell you right this, that the Bible tells me that God hates it, it ought to make me wake up. Amen? Feet that run rapidly to evil. This is where we're going to start getting cute. What do you run to? You see, this illustrates my point. You don't run to God in your sin. You run from Him. Because every one of us that what amazes me about the first thing that Solomon says in this is your pride. See, a pride is a condition of the heart. See, we have all at one time, whether actively, passively, presently, have thought our way was better than God's way. But God in His rich mercy, through His Son Jesus Christ, 
has saved you if you've placed your faith and trust in Him. And you've changed. You don't run toward evil. You run from Him. And when you are in Christ, your desire is for your steps to be guided by He who has saved you, and He who you have enough faith will sustain you. And what gets me about this, and I'm going to go a little deeper with this, Many people call themselves believers. And they... I'm going to tell you something you might not know, but the leadership have met. For the next month or so, we've had a congregation ask if they could use our, our, our sanctuary because they're a new church. And us and the leadership met with them. We talked to them. And you said, what do you mean? This is our building. No, it's God's. This is the church with the steeple. This is a building, people, with a steeple. You open the doors, the church are the people. So they come to us, and they're rushing. Could we use church? So I'll talk to our leadership about it. And we did. And they want to meet. They're going to meet today afterwards, and two people have agreed to stay back and help them. Well, we need. See, I know what it's like to be a missionary and need a place to worship. Because you come to the understanding of this. It's not the building that makes the people. It's God who cleanses, who sustains the people that makes the body of Christ. And here's where I'm going with this. They're going to meet a few times during the week, and I will be getting with the cleaning people. They're going to help us do that, okay? But they're going to meet three times a week. Sundays, Tuesday nights, and Friday. And as I and another one, Justin, was meeting with them, I'm going, Friday night at 7.30? Man, it's hard to get people here on Sunday at 10! And you're meeting three times? Not only are they meeting three times, they drive in 45 minutes. You see, I had a man come up to tell me. He told me one time, he said, Chad, I'm tired. I said, brother, I'm tired too. I work two jobs. I'm tired too. And you know his response to me? Yeah, but you get paid to preach. I said, I appreciate that, Judas. What else are you going to sell out? I'm tired. I'm tired too. But maybe if you'd learn and read the Word of God, you'd see when you leave this world, you ought to be a little bit tired. That people are willing to come here and give up everything they have because they worship. And they were crying and sitting in front of us. You don't know how much we thank you. We, 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 don't, we want to meet. We want to praise God. And they'll have their service in Russian and in English because they believe this is their home. And whether you're English or Russian, you need to hear the Word of God. You hear me? Does that surprise you? Here's my point with all this. Well, Chad, how does that run into evil? Let me tell you something. If you don't make priority a church, you're not going to make Christ a church priority. And the more you make Christ an unpriority, the more you'll make the world a priority. And you'll run quicker to evil. And hear no amens on that one. What do you put above Jesus? Chad, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I've heard that so many times in my life. No, but if you're a Christian, you'll want to be among Christian people. I'll take my shoes off on that one too. I'm not trying to be cute. I'm trying to be sincere. Because as I'm... Chad, what's going on in the church? There ain't nothing going on, but I'm telling you right now, with all that... Well, I ain't going to lie. There's a lot going on. 
And when God begins to work, Satan begins to attack. I said this months ago. I never will forget a church as I was in, they was having a challenge to build project. And a pastor came in and spoke. He says, ooh, I see you challenge to build. Well, let me tell you something, people. He says, with this challenge to build, Satan's going to get active. And he's going to attack your staff first. Then he'll go after your people. And months later, that church was split. Let me tell you something. When God is active, He's active here. Satan's active. Is He using you? I'm going to tell you something. I don't want to run to evil. I want to run to Christ. I want to help my brother and sister pronounce the Word of Christ. To learn the Word of Christ. To learn the works and person of Christ. That the things that we've talked about will be in heaven. They will be there rejoicing with us. I don't care if you're an immigrant. I don't care if you're black. I don't care if you're white. You are a person created in the image of Almighty God. And He can save. Period. You see, this running to evil and this pride and this hate... Let me tell you something, it's taught. Not only are you born with it, it's taught. Let me tell you a little secret. You see, when I lived in uh, Mifflintown, Pennsylvania, it was majority of Pennsylvania Dutch. You didn't have many different races there. Well, my children were little when we went there, and they had never seen that they remembered a person of different color. They'd never seen that. And listen to this. So we go to Bible study, or I'm sorry, go to their first day of kindergarten. Here all these little children are, and there's a little black girl and a little Hispanic girl. And you know what happened? My kids went and played with them. You know why? Because kids don't see color. They see a child. We teach them hate. You know why people act that way? They've been taught to act that way. And you know why it's accepted and allowed? Because we have forgotten as a church to do anything about it. That behavior is taught. Looking down on people. Running from evil. Putting priorities above everything except Christ. We always blame the millennials. You raised them. And here, amen on that one either. Chad, you wound up. Yeah, I am. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I look at myself every day, and I know that he that give me this breath in my lungs can instantly take it away. The Bible tells me in James that I'm held at a greater account for what I teach, and I will not compromise the Word of God for anybody. Number 19. I don't want any stirring around when I get to this one. Because I want everybody to hear me good. A false witness who utters lies... That means you tell lies to promote yourself and get other people in trouble. You know, we do this in a court system. Promise to tell the truth, whole truth, nothing but the truth. Man, you see all these murder cases, somebody's lying. Lying is so rapidly among us, it's amazing. I had a man tell me one time, he said, Chad, if the world stopped and started being truthful, it would fall apart. You think about that for a moment. If everybody started telling truth, this world would fall apart. Why? Because it's been built on lies. God hates it. You lied about somebody else, God hates it. And one who spreads strife among brothers. 
For those that are not here today, I pray that you do get on the call and tell them this. Because I'm going to make this perfectly clear. I don't want any questions about it. Gossip will stop. If somebody comes up to me, starting today from this forward, I want you to hear me all, and says, I got a problem with somebody, I'm going to ask you one question. Have you spoken to them? How you answer that question is how I'll respond to the second one. If you say no, then I'm going to tell you. Listen to me. Everybody listening? I'm going to go tell them. If you say I have spoken to them, I'll go with you. We're going to practice Matthew 18. If you've got a problem with a brother, you go to them. James says, confess your faults one to another. Don't go tell everybody else your grumblings in the church. That spreads dissension, and God hates you. I hate this. Because what amazes me, I'll tell you, if you don't believe I'll do this, you ask my wife. I had this, Let me tell you what happened one time at church I pastored. I had the chief of fire. The fire chief called me and said, man, you got dissension in your church. He didn't know me. I didn't know him from Adam's house cat. You have dissension, Chad. With who? He said, somebody's in the church selling, spreading gossip. And look, I ain't saying it's happening here, but I'm telling you predictive. I want everybody to know that this day forward, please listen, there will not be no try-agains. If somebody, you come to me with an issue with somebody, I will rat you out. Is that clear? Okay. So listen. So I say, what are you talking about? What is going on? He said, man, there's dissension going on in your church. This done got back to us. And they began to get specific. Wow. So after church, I said, we're going to have a family meeting. So I told the church this. I give them the same thing. You come to me with a problem about individual. Well, you're supposed to be the pastor. Listen to me. I'll listen to your complaints, but I ain't going to listen to your malicious talk. And I'll be careful what I hear about your complaints. Well, there you go. That's a side point. Anyway, I said, here's what we're going to do. Just what I told them. If you say you got a problem with somebody, I'm going to ask them if you've gone to them. If you have, then I'll go with you. If you have it, I'm going to say, well, I'm going to tell them. Enough. Well, a person didn't believe that I would do that. And they come up to me one day at an event and said, Chad, i got a problem with that guy. He's beneath me. I said, what did you say? He said, he's beneath me. I don't like him. We go back a long ways. And I'm, well, hold on. I'll tell him. Come here. He liked to die. But you know what? It stopped. Because I'm going to tell you something else, and this goes for both sides. I'll go with you. But if you've sinned against another brother and you don't repent when another brother goes with you, we will bring you before this church. I will not tolerate it. I've had enough. Because I'm going to tell you something. It's easy to come here and worship and preach the name of God and be critical about everything that we do. But God's Word is sound. And even the parts that we don't like, I'm going to preach or I'm a coward. You see, the Bible tells me, and this is the problem, since the invention of text, people have become cowards. I couldn't tell you how many times I got Dear John text. Chad, I don't, I love you, won't see you again. Boop, boop. 
See, that's easy to do. That's easy. Listen, people, be big boys and big girls. Put your britches on and talk to people like men and women. Man up. You say, Chad, I don't like conflict. I don't either, but I ain't afraid of it. Because, listen, not everything that's faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it's faced. And what has happened, if we, we've got people that's even quit where I work, they'll send in a text and quit. Because they can't be men anymore. We have wimpified a generation. We've wimpified them. And in the same way, we are starting to wimpify Jesus and turn the gospel of Christ into six flags over Jesus. I will not do it. Man up. You see, the Bible tells me that these things God hates in His holy hatred. Because I want you to look what I parallel them to. Turn to Matthew chapter 5 for a moment. And then I'm going to close. Matthew chapter 5, we call the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus will open up with what's called the Beatitudes. What is the first person he says? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Do you hear that? The difference between pride and the poor in spirit is that person knows that he is poor in spirit and he needs something greater than himself to save him. You hear me? Blessed comes the Greek, makari, means to be fully satisfied. You want to be a jerk? You'll always be a jerk. If you want to be prideful, you'll always be prideful. You cannot change anything. Christ can. Blessed. Listen. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. He's not talking about those that are sad. Oh, I've had a bad day. Blessed are those. No, those that blessed, blessed are those that mourn for their condition. They mourn because they know they're poor in spirit, and only Christ can deliver them. Look what he says. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. They're not running to evil, they're running to Christ. Jesus said very clearly to the woman at the well, for the water I give you is living water, and you will never thirst again. Those that are satisfied have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Blessed are for the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. That is contradictory to Proverbs 6. Would you agree? So those that are real are those who seek the face of Christ. And those who do not will seek the means of the world to bring them satisfaction. But let me give you this stern warning. You will die lost. If you are not a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you said, well, I believe. I believe that Jesus Christ died. I believe that He rose again on the third day. I believe He's the Son of God. Congratulations, that qualifies you to be a demon. According to James. 
But those who believe in Christ means those who have committed the Christ. That they were once walking in the way of sin and they have turned their life around. You cannot continue in sin and call yourself a believer. When it says those that run to evil, we're going to stumble into the path of evil. But we will not abide there. Do you hear me? You can't. Jesus Christ is not this bobblehead we put on our closet door and open it when we need it and go worship with God's people when we feel like it's convenient. The New Testament church met daily and nobody had need. Which brings me to another point because I fast forwarded myself. There is nobody, I don't care who you are in this church, if you have need, we're to help you with that need. Do you hear me? I don't care how much money you have. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. The church's job is to take care of the people, not the governments. You hear me? It's the church's job. Well, so-and-so don't have any money. We need to make sure they get some. Now listen, don't be frivolous. If you go out blowing your own money, you know, that, 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 that's a different story. But there's no, let me give you an example. I'm hungry. Well, we have some prepared food in here. Well, I don't like that food. Well, then you're not hungry. I had a little girl one time tell us, say, you know what, I want something to drink. Well, we got bottled water. I don't like bottled water. I want Coke. Well, you're not thirsty. Jesus said, give me this day my daily bread, not this day my daily cake. You see, here's what I'm trying to share. With what God's doing in this church, Satan's on the prowl. He's on the prowl. As long as I'm pastor of Living Way Community Church, and that's up to the people, but I tell you this. As long as I'm the pastor of Living Way Community Church, I want everybody to hear this clearly. I'm going to use the words of Adrian Rogers. You see, Adrian Rogers took a beating to the head because he took a stand on the Word of God. And he had somebody tell him one day in that committee, said, Adrian, if you don't compromise, we'll never get it together. He said, me and you don't have to get together. I don't have to be the pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church. I don't have to live. But I will not compromise the Word of God. Listen to me. We don't have to get together. I don't have to be the pastor of this church. I don't have to live. God can kill me. But I will not, shall not, and cannot compromise the Word of God. I love you. Lead them out.